one of the things I love about our church is just allowing room for the Holy Spirit to minister as opposed to just going through the, the program. And, you know, I used to be that Christian that thought the song was the setup for the sermon, and now I realize the Holy Spirit often speaks to people in the greeting, in the worship, in the sermon, even in that last song. And today I just feel like he's really working in our worship. And there was one line in there that I just want to kind of say, and then I want to pray before we get into the sermon. It's that line uh, Jen was singing about how, what is it, when the night is holding on? Is that how it goes? When the night is holding on. And I thought, you know, that's the real life experience of, well, just a lot of people in the Bible and pretty much every Christian. There are moments you come here and you're singing, God, you are good, good. All things are possible. I believe in you. And we believe that. But right now at this moment, the night is holding on, and all I can see is darkness. So I love that. I love that line. When the night is holding on, God is holding on. It's like God's got the night. He knows what's going on. He's, a, he's going to use it for good. Many of us have experienced that, having gone down through the, the valley of the shadow of death, where it was so dark, we were sure it was over, or it's never going to change. Let me ask, don't raise your hand on this, how many of you have had a, um, a problem in your life that you have lifted up to the Lord and it feels like it just never changes. Don't raise your hand. I'm just, just, just think about that, right? Yeah. And I ask you not to raise your hand because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed, but also because about 99.9% of the hands would go up. It's one of the reasons that I'm excited to be preaching this particular sermon series. I know it's called Conquering Procrastination, kind of new, new year, new you. But really, it's more than that. Because it really gets to this core question of, um, you know, I, I, as a Christian, I know there are certain things that I want to see different in my life. And I believe that God has given me the power. I believe by faith things can change, but they haven't changed. And I can look back and see the track record of, of they didn't change. So today's sermon in this series is about not just the narrow question of, well, how do we get past procrastination? Because that sounds so much like a self-help topic, right? It's deeper than that. It is deeper than that. What it's really about is, is being able to put yourself in a position so you, could, so you could be available for the opportunities God brings into your life. So you could reduce the problems in your life so that you could be available for him. So let's go ahead and pray, and then I'll, I'll get into my message. So Father God, I pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would continue to minister right here to, to the people in this building. Lord, we often say that um, Christianity is not, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. So I pray today you would speak very personally to people in this room. Although there's messages and songs we all sing, you have individual messages for different people. God, speak to, speak to your people today. We pray, we implore you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to begin with a question. In fact, um, so if I was to, if someone were to come up to you and offer you a dream vacation, right? Dream vacation. It sounds almost too good to be true, and they're like putting it right there in front of you. What's the question that comes to your mind? Aside from, is it too good to be true? Isn't one of the questions, well, how much is this going to cost me, right? If, um, if I were to encourage you to go to a certain event 
and say, you need to go to this event. It'll change your life. It's great. You ought to go to it. One of the questions you're going to ask is what? How much does it cost, right? Even if you get a speeding ticket, you decided I had to get somewhere in a hurry, you measure the cost, and when you get that ticket, one of the first things you look at is, how much is this going to cost me? Today, I do want to talk to you about something that will reduce your problems, it'll improve your relationships, and it'll create exciting opportunities for the kingdom. Let me say that again. If I were to say, here is something that will definitely reduce your problems, it'll improve all of your relationships, and it'll create exciting opportunities for you. Does that sound too good to be true? I mean, that's good stuff, right? One of the questions that you should ask and we should ask is, well, how much will it cost? I read something by Oswell Chambers. The guy wrote My Utmost for His Highest. Well, actually, his wife wrote it, but he's the, he's the uh, guy that God used for that. And in one of his devotionals, he points out the uh, difference between um, someone, but between coming to Christ, which is kind of coming through the door and getting in the house, getting in the kingdom, getting on the king's way, that, and then once, once you know, how easy that is was his point. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Believe and receive and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for the soul. The invitation, really, as he's pointing out, is easy because God doesn't have all these horrible barriers. You don't have to do 15 things and penance and all these. It's easy. You just you recognize you need to surrender, and yes, Lord. And once you have done that, every Christian has learned this, that once we step through that door or get on that path or whatever metaphor you want to use, once we get there, we realize, whoa, the way God is calling me is radically different than what I've been doing, right? Is that true? God needs some nodding heads. That is true, right? Okay. And then Jesus starts talking with his children. After assuring him, I'm a, you know, you're sick. He starts talking to him about the cost of discipleship. If you would come after me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. So... One of the things I think that confuses outsiders is, well, wait a minute, is it easy or is it hard? And a Christian would say what? Yes. yes. As we'll talk about in a little bit, it's one of our favorite counseling tools, the Y diagram. It's easy to go down this path. So it's easy to say yes to the Lord. And in fact, Jesus says that, right? Take my yoke upon you, right? But the... The initial part of being a Christian is frankly sometimes harder than what we used to do because we have a default that feels so natural and it's harder to put off sin, renew your mind, and put on Christ. It's harder up front, but then it's easier down the road. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The hidden cost of procrastination. What I want to look at today are some of the causes of procrastination and the high cost of procrastination and we want to end with a message that frankly... I hope will inspire you and me to say, I'm going to stop putting off that thing that I've been meaning to change. If you've got your sermon notes, I want to read the scripture at the very top. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this.
It says, be careful how you walk. Now, when the Bible uses the word walk, that means live out your faith. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Make, making the most of your time. Making the most of your time. Because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but... And I've underlined it on your notes in the, here. I'll put a box around it. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. This is a sermon that's not like four steps to overcome procrastination. This is more about, hey, have you ever thought about why you don't do the very thing you know you should do? Let's think about the why, and let's think about the cost of not doing that, and let's understand what the will of the Lord is. I dare say if I stopped and said, how many of you think that procrastination needs to be overcome? We'd all say yes. And I could give you a quick seminar on time management and priorities and something you could Google. And, you know, they're all very general steps. I get that. We're trying to go deeper than that to understand what the will of the Lord is. So I'm going to look at four or five causes that are common to procrastination. Why don't I do the thing that I should do? And then we're going to look at the hidden costs, maybe some of them you haven't thought about. So let's jump right in. Uh, first cause is indecision. There are just too many choices. We are overcommitted. There is so much going on, right? Um, when I think of indecision, um, I think of like a, that dog, because we we've always had dogs, and they love to chase things. Do you all have any dogs? Um, our dog loves to chase squirrels, Right? And every now and then, there'll be two squirrels that show up in our yard at the same time. And it's really kind of humorous, because you'll see him take off after the first one, and then he'll see the next one, and then he'll go there, and by the time he tries to chase them both, they both get away. I think that's a little bit like how we humans are, only it's um, exponentially worse. It's like, I woke up this morning, I spent time with the Lord, I know this is what I need to do. Well, until I have to do that, and I have to do this, and I have this choice here, and I have this choice here... And indecision is one of the reasons that we procrastinate. There's just so many choices, I don't want to miss out, so I just don't choose anything, because I don't want to make the wrong choice, indecision. A second uh, cause of, of um, procrastination are the unknowns. The unknowns. Um, you know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11.4, um, I think it's a New Living Translation. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Let me say it again and, and see if you agree with that. If you wait for perfect conditions, you never get anything done. Un, um, the unknowns is just another form of perfectionism. And perfectionism can paralyze us and keep us from even beginning the project. Sorry, I'm processing in my mind whether I want to go deeper on this one. You know, both psychology and, and our church, uh, common truth is that, that we recognize there are different personality temperaments. If you go in the business world or school or anything, they will talk to you about the personalities. Most churches do some training on the different personality temperaments. temperaments. Um, you know, you've got your drivers, you're inspiring and that. Why am I saying that? One of those four kind of major personality types is what's called a, a high C conscientious, or it's the beaver. There's different names for it. 
that particular God-designed, let me emphasize, God-designed personality temperament pays attention to details. And they pay attention to details, and they're concerned about things being done at a high quality and being done in the right way. And people like that are great for organizations. They're especially great for people like me who want to get the big thing done, and let's just start, we'll figure it out along the way. But there are some people that are, are detail people, and that's a God-given strength. But a strength that goes a step too far becomes a weakness, sometimes even a sin. And those very people will hold on and like, I can't decide until I know this. Until we have all the variables decided, we don't know what's going to happen, therefore there's a risk it may go wrong, so therefore we'll just wait here. Sometimes making no decision, let me say this very clearly, sometimes making no decision is still a decision. And sometimes doing nothing is actually worse than trying to do something with unknowns. Now there's a balance in that. But what I want you to do is for you to recognize if you're that personality type, it's a God-given strength. But if you use it as a reason to procrastinate, to not do the things that you should do in a relationship, to not begin the ministry God's calling you to, to not change the habit because you're waiting for something, that paralysis of analysis is a strength that has gone too far. Does that make sense? Um, a third cause of procrastination, perhaps the greatest, is fear. Fear. When you're afraid of something, we tend to put it off. It could be a fear of failure so you don't even want to try. It could be a fear of success, because if I do this, then i got to keep doing it, and this is really particularly true in marriage. Well, if I change this, then she'll expect me to keep on doing it, and I don't know if I can keep doing this forever. I appreciate that polite laugh, but you know, most of you know what I'm talking about on that one. And a fourth cause, and frankly, this is a, um, many people need a Bible reality check, and we're going to look at this fourth cause a little bit deeper in the next coming weeks is laziness. Laziness. Um, the Bible speaks of it as slothfulness or being a sluggard, and the Proverbs are filled with examples of uh, warnings against laziness, which is just really saying, I'm not going to do what I know God has called me to. Did you know in James chapter 5, the Bible says this, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is, what is it? Y'all with me? Thank you for those that are reading out loud. It is sin. And, and today's message isn't meant to just drive it deeper because many of you, you're already procrastinating and you already feel bad and you already have enough guilt and you have enough shame. So we're going to talk about how to, how to put on Christ, how to get out of this. But there's still some excuse makers out there that think it's the other person's fault. It's life circumstances. And the Bible says if you know the right thing to do and you're not doing it, for you it is sin. And a lot of times that sin is laziness. So the fifth one is this. Some people really just don't want to change. They're happy with who they are. They're obstinate. They don't want to change. Those are some of the... So, Pardon me, my brain is kind of all over the place today. So the hidden cost of procrastinations have destructive consequences. I want to talk briefly about the, the, the three costs of procrastination. The first one is wasted opportunities. Wasted opportunities. If you look again at Ephesians 5, look, look at your Bible at Ephesians 5, started about verse, I think it's 14, 15. The part where it says, 
Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. It's like you're speaking to your soul. Awake, O sleeper, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. The days are evil. Everybody look up here. The days are evil, so don't be surprised, don't bemoan, and don't use that as an excuse. Of course the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then after that, he goes into, what does it mean to be a spirit-filled Christian? And he talks about how spirit-filled Christians are not drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but instead they're, they're filled with the Spirit. They're singing songs, they're giving thanks for everything, and they're subject to one another. Make the most of your time. Make the most of your time. This is one of those that's it's hard to preach and explain or paint a picture. But the Bible is very, very, very clear that when you were created anew in Christ, when you were made a new creation, God has these good works he set aside for you. I mean, it's that plain. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, Right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift. It is not of works. So that you can't brag or you can't boast. It's a free gift to you. And therefore, since you've been created anew in Christ Jesus, to do good works that he prepared ahead of time for you. The highest cost of procrastination is you're not doing the very things God designed for you. And I'm not talking about coming in here and serving Leon Springs Baptist. I'm talking about fulfilling your God-designed destiny. In the work world, with the ministry, with other people, God has good things. I mean, one of the reasons I'm a Christian, and one of the things I'm a hopeful, joy-filled Christian, is I believe at the bottom of my heart, at the deepest part of my conviction, that God is good because he promised he's good. And he promises that he cares about you. And he's got a life that he wants you to live. And procrastination is settling for a mediocre life. You're wasting opportunities. That's the highest cost. A second, a second cost of procrastination. Very briefly. Okay. A lot of times when people procrastinate, they're like, well, I'll just I'll put it off until tomorrow. They think that's the easy decision. Procrastination is actually very hard. It's the hard way. It seems easier today, but it's like stumbling through a field of thorns. Have you ever walked through thorns with sandals on them and they start poking at your feet? Listen to what the Bible says. The way of the lazy is a hedge of thorns. The way of the lazy is a hedge of thorns, but the path to the upright is a highway. It's simple things like this. I didn't, I didn't fill up my gas tank, so now I'm on the highway calling AAA or somebody. Relationally, I delayed having that hard conversation. Now I've got about five other problems. I didn't at work, acquired those new skills. I didn't do the things that I needed to do to be a better employee. Now I'm stuck without a promotion. See, procrastination is actually the hard way, but it's disguised as the easy way. Procrastination makes life worse. It makes life harder. And a third and a last one. This is the one I'd love to skip, but we cannot turn away from the awful cost that procrastination, my procrastination, usually hurts other people. It usually hurts those around us. So if the Holy Spirit brings conviction, 
Remember, the Bible says this. It says that worldly sorrow produces regret. Oh, I should have changed. I know I'm making a mess of my life. I know I messed my kids up. I'm... That's what worldly sorrow does. Godly sorrow, according to the Bible, leads to repentance without regret. Can I say that again? In fact, would you say that with me? It's just three words. So I'll say it, then you say it. Repentance without regret. Do it one more time. Godly sorrow, recognizing the cost, leads to repentance without regret. Today's message is not about, oh, shame on you, we need to get busy. It's, I want to be in a place where I have repentance with no regrets. I'm going in the right direction. Repentance is just the word for change. It means to change my mind, change my thoughts, and change the direction I'm going. Repentance without regret. The high cost of procrastination is strained relationships. Healthy relationships require doing hard things. They require commitment, energy, time. When you delay, when you procrastinate, you're adding a destructive ingredient to your relationships. A lot of divorces happen when people know what needs to be done, but they just don't get around to it. They didn't have the conversations they needed to have. They didn't reach full forgiveness. They gave surface forgiveness. They didn't make time to work on those problems. Procrastinating is draining and destructive, but let's not stop there. Counting the cost can be hard, but what we need to do and shift our focus for the reigning of messages, well, what do we do about it? But I felt like I needed to spend some time on what's causing this procrastination? Why am I not doing the very things God's called me to? So I want to give you a quick preview for where we're going in the coming weeks. We are going to talk about priorities. We're going to talk about developing priorities in the four life roles. A priority for me as a Christian, a priority as in my marriage, or my being a parent, priorities in the workplace, priorities in the church place. So we'll talk about that. We're also going to look at that laziness, look what the Bible says about laziness, and more importantly, what it says to develop instead of laziness. Because it's not just stop being lazy, it's put off laziness, renew your mind, and put on this. That's what we're going to look at, priorities, how to change, how to put wheels to this message. So today I want to, uh, as, and, and when I say move to the end, I'm not saying I'm two minutes away done. I, I know my, my wife tells me I often say, and in conclusion, and 20 minutes later I'm still talking. I'm saying I'm moving to the next part. On the back of your notes, you'll see I, I want to reference two tools that our counselors use frequently. The first one is the Y diagram, and the other is the the replacement principle. So we go to the next screen. The Y diagram is something Barb, Pam, Clayton, all of us who do counseling, we use this consistently. The Y diagram basically says you are traveling on life, you come to a fork in the road where the decision is, and you always, always, always can either do my path, I'm going to do what feels natural, I'm going to rely on the worldly wisdom, or I can choose God's path. It's just something we use over and over and over again. In fact, on the uh, resource table, in case any of you like studying going deeper, we have an idols of the heart chart that literally lays this out with multiple scriptures and goes a lot deeper. I've talked about this before, preached on it, not going to spend a lot of time, but we have newer people here. Once you know, this is one of our primary things. We encourage people to think about the Y diagram. Okay, very quickly. God's, uh, my path is the walk of flesh. God's path is the walk of faith. Going down my path is initially a lot easier. 
But down the road, it's much more difficult. God's path, it's usually harder to change up front, but it yields a harvest of righteousness and good things. So we could develop that with you. We'd be glad to help you with that. If you've got a stubborn problem you need help with, we'd be glad to put, put wheels to that, if you will. But that's the basic concept. Look at this. Uh, go to the next one. The next one is the replacement principle. Again, this is putting off sin, putting off bad habits, renewing my mind with Scripture, putting on Christ and learning the right things. It's paying the price. It's doing the hard things to change your life. Go to the next screen, Brad. On God's path, the Bible says that if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new has come. Another one, if you're new to this church, this may be the first time you're hearing it, but if you've been here, you should know, and you've, you've heard this multiple times, you and I have a new identity in Christ. It's not that we reformed and we added something new. It's that literally God has made us a new creation with a new power and a new identity. And it's functioning out of that identity that helps us to change. In other words, the Bible says, I'm now a child of God, so I should act like a child of the king. I'm now an ambassador for Christ, so now I'm concerned about his kingdom. I'm now salt, therefore I should think about how I affect others. And on and on and on and on it goes. Boy, silences can seem so long when you're a speaker. I've got several things I'd love to do to, to say but I don't want to cram too much into this particular message. So what I want to do is I want to say, say this. As we begin to change, as you begin to do the thing you've been putting off, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to stop making excuses. You've got to stop thinking that, that this applies to them. When the other person takes the first step, then I'll do it. Watch out for those if-then traps. If only my spouse would do this, then I would change. If only such and such would happen, then I would do this. We've got to stop making those excuses. We've got to commit to God's path. We're going to develop diligence. And most importantly, we have to start right now. We have to start right now. So, what, what's going on in my brain is, wow, I had all these things I wanted to talk about. Well, how do you put on? What do you do? And I just feel like the Lord is really wanting me to kind of, kind of wrap it up here because you need to know the cost. You need to know the causes. You need to make a commitment to change. You need to believe that God really wants things to change. I hope that God is convicting you regarding the high cost of staying the same. Wasting those opportunities that God wants to give you, adding to your problems, hurting others. I hope you can say in your heart that you, you, you want to believe that God has exciting opportunities for you, that you want to get to a place of fewer problems, that you want to build up others. So, if you will, look at the bottom right hand of this screen. The question, is it possible? Can I finally change? Um, 
I found myself thinking about that question a lot as I was preparing this message. Um, and, and there was a certain song that I was uh, listening to again and again and again. In fact, I, I went to Pastor Tim and I said, hey, um, could, do you think you could add this song? This is on Wednesday, maybe? No, Monday. Anyway, it wasn't that long. It was this week. And I said, hey, Tim, there's this song I really like. Uh, if you, do you think you and your team could learn this? And I'm thinking like three or four weeks down the road. Well, he actually sent me a text, I think it was uh, two days ago, and said, hey, Dan, we got that song. We're ready to go. And I'm like, really? Okay. The reason I'm sharing all of this with you is it kind of shifted the end of my message. I had kind of a practical, here's how you begin to conquer procrastination. And instead, I just kept hearing the words of this song again and again and again. So I'd like to read to you some of the lyrics from that. And then I want to challenge you to make that next step of faith. Here they are. It's a song by Mark Schultz. He says, when I... Um, He says, even when I feel like the light is fading and I've lost my way, still I'm holding on to the one who's making all things possible. When it feels like my heart is breaking, hold on, there is strength knowing I belong to the one who's making all things possible. I know mountains can move. I've seen what you can do. In my weakness... So my heart will believe. If I wait, I will see my God doing what only he can do. And the song talks about being God is strong and mighty. Um, let me come down here to wrap up, and then I'll call up the worship team in just a minute. So, this is one of those messages I, feel, I wish there was a way I could just get across the table with each one of you and kind of share some of my story share the testimonies of what I've heard God do. Even looking out at many of the faces here, I, I remember you coming and saying, when, man, when life looked impossible, there were habits, there were things that were controlling you, addictions, bad behaviors, and life was headed in the wrong direction. But I, like I said, I'm just looking at many of you, and you, you've shared that story, and that you committed to God's path, you started to do the hard things, and you saw God do the impossible. So to those of you who are in the room, and I've had the privilege to walk that journey with you, praise God, God is good, right? But in a room this size, there's some others that are, you're in that place where we're, what we're singing about, the night is holding on. I'm here, but that's about it, I'm here. What I want to say to you, and I just wish there was some way I could say it stronger, is that God does want you to change. Um, God does want you to surrender, as Tim said. And you can trust him. He really will change things. Mountains that seem impossible, they can change. So I'm about to, go to pray, but as an example of some areas that could change. And I want you to think about these because one of them may trigger you and I'm going to ask you to pray. Um, for some of you, that, uh, that, that procrastination, that thing you've been putting off, is something to do with God, right? God has been knocking at your door. He's been telling you to do something. And you've been putting it off. 
Like for me, he's been reminding me, Dan, you used to fast once a week. And you've been saying, you've been telling multiple people you're going to get back to that. Well, it's been three, four, five years now. Yeah, it's been that long. You keep telling me, New Year's resolution, every year, and then you start and you don't do it. So that's mine, because that fasting time was in a time alone with God, and it was very sweet to me. What is God calling you to? What are you putting off? You know, I hate it when Dan asks me if I've been reading the Bible, because I know I should, and I always tell him that I'm not. But, you know, this year, this year, I'm going to start reading the Bible regularly. This year, I'm going to join a life group, because I keep hearing about it. Whatever it is. What is that one thing? In your marriage, in your family, what is one thing that you know God has been telling you to do, he's been prompting you to, and you keep putting it off? Let's believe. Let's believe in faith that God could cause that to change this year. What about those of you that are in the work world? I come from a, both a corporate and an um, entrepreneurial kind of job environment. Hey, work is where real life is lived out, and it can be tough, right? Is there something that God wants you to do at work? And it could be to be a, a light in a dark place, just to, to start something at work. I, I don't know how me and some of my Christian friends, it's funny, we had a combination where we were one, made fun of a little bit good-naturedly, but then whenever there were marriage problems, they came to talk to me or the other Christians. Does God want you to be more of a light at work? Or maybe there's something job skill-wise. God wants you to do your job well, and you're just kind of coasting. And he's like, you know, it's time to get that continuing education. It's time to talk to the boss. It's time to do something. What have you been putting off? What about a church? Hey, church can get pretty boring when you just show up on Sunday and that's all you do. In fact, people that are showing up at Sunday only and they're not going to life group, they're not doing ministry, they're not doing anything else, I can guarantee you, well, let me rephrase that. I can tell you what is most likely going to happen if you're only coming to Sunday. Eventually, you're going to start to get dissatisfied, discouraged, and you'll eventually go find another church and then you'll say it's because the church wasn't feeding me. What does God want you to do at church? Hey, this is your family as well as mine, right? What's that one thing God has been saying, you know, maybe you should do this. I need to, I've been, I, I wonder why our church hasn't been doing ABC. Okay, if God gave you the burden, come talk to me about it. Let's believe God will do something different as a Christian, in our families, in our church, at our work. With that, I conclude. Let's pray. Father God, you are a good, good Father. And I thank you that you've called us to not live foolishly, but live wisely. You've told us to understand what the will of God is. And God, I pray that today you'd be calling us to that, that, that all across this room there are, there are areas where we're not just going to keep repeating the same mistakes. We're going to believe in faith that you want to change areas of our life. And right now, this is that time when I want you to pray to God. And, and just, if God brought something to your mind, something that you know he's been wanting you to try, then just commit to him and say, right now, God, I'm not going to pray about it and think about it forever. Right now, God, I'm giving this to you. And just tell him what it is right now. God, this is something that's come into my mind. If this is something you want me to change, then in faith, I commit to changing. And pray that. Don't just say, I want to change. Say, I commit to changing by God's grace. Father God, I pray for people that made decisions to change. I pray that you would um, give them faith and courage to follow through. And Lord, I just pray that as we move to this last song, that this would be a time where our faith rises up 
and we attempt to do things that we've never attempted before. We complete things that have been put off. God, would you move among your people? We need you. We don't want to just go through church. We don't, we don't want to go through the motions. God, we ask for you. I ask for you, Lord. Stir up faith in your people that we would believe the promises of God in Jesus' name. Everyone said, y'all stand up.